Jag har en paket mycket till polisen. Fett blöd. This is Diabolical. The show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes and compete to improve them. I'm your host, Countertacular, and this week's movie is 1982's First Blood. So, Peril Pals, strap on your sweatbands, become war, and let's get diabolical. Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm Sheriff of the Panel of Peril, who will compete against me at the close of the show to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week before we vote to name this season's most diabolical. As ever, I am joined by three Vietnam War veterans. <laughs> Please introduce yourselves and tell me, what is your favourite Nam movie? Hello, it's Adam here. My favourite Vietnam War epic is the legendary Platoon, simply because mm. I think it's the first film that... Johnny Depp was in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm Team Johnny! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's the, it's the first film that properly deals with the the horrors of that war and then what actually happened rather than looking at the individuals that returned and some of the things they went through. So, yeah, mm. powerful film. Mm. Hello, plain old Ben here. And my favourite Nam movie is probably not technically a Nam movie, but it's Forrest Gump. Yay! That's what I thought you'd pick. Yeah, I think it's a Nam movie. Yeah, I'd say so. Anyone who says it's not a Nam movie can yeah. suck my dick. Yeah. <laughs> quite quite the offer. <laughs> See how many takers you get. I'm tempted. Yeah. yeah. Threaten me with a good time, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Gareth Slade, and my favourite Nam movie, uh, I only watched it the other day, actually. It's uh, a horror film from the 70s called Death Dream, which is mm. about... Oh, yeah family of a soldier who gets killed in Nam, but then he mysteriously turns back home. It's really good, genuinely quite disturbing at times. And as for me, my favourite Nam movie is Apocalypse Now, Final Cut specifically, because I think it was the first Vietnam movie that showed like the real horror of it and didn't focus on the individuals and their experience when they came back. <laughs> <laughs> Time now to delve into this week's film and its year of release. In small-scale skirmish news of 1982, Mary Whitehouse loses her legal battle against the National Theatre of Britain concerning alleged obscenity in the play The Romans in Britain. Compact discs declare war on vinyl and, ironically, storage space. The end of the ABBA civil war sees Agnetta annexed from the limelight. And, at the 54th Academy Awards, Warren Beatty brought his famous quadruple threat into battle for the second time, earning nominations for acting, directing, producing, and screenwriting Reds, as he had done previously for Heaven Can Wait, while Catherine Hepburn secured a victory over all of Hollywood by winning her fourth Oscar, a record to this day. At the box office, sly rival Arnie was showing us what's best in life as Conan the Barbarian, while Stallone himself was squaring off against Mr. T in Rocky III. 
and E.T., the extraterrestrial, were showing us a different take on the old drifter wandering into town trope. First Blood received generally positive reviews on release and spawned a franchise of unquestionably diminishing returns, yet Stallone's Rambo remains something of a cultural icon. Famously homaged in Gremlins 2, and lampooned in Hot Shots Part 2, and Weird Al Vehicle UHF. The film sees traumatised former POW John Rambo drop in on the fictional town of Hope, Washington, hoping to catch up with fellow Vietnam War veteran Delmar Berry, only to be informed by his mother that Delmar has tragically succumbed to cancer as a result of exposure to Agent Orange. Crushed, tired and hungry, Rambo drifts through town looking for a place to eat, when he is picked up by tyrannical, antagonistic and petty local sheriff Will Teasel, played with glorious malice and bombast by the best of the FX Bryans, Dennehy. Teasel then pushes Rambo's buttons before placing him in the custody of his corrupt and inept deputies who proceed to torture Rambo, who finally snaps and wages a one-man war on the local law. Alright, let's have a little warm-up. As it's a new season, I'm introducing a new game, which I'm calling Russian Roulette. I'll load my metaphorical fact revolver with a single bullet and cry, Diddy Mao! While you squeeze the trigger. (laughs) The other chambers will be loaded with trivia. What that means is I'll tell you three things. Two of them uh, will be false and and one will be true. No, wait. Two will be true and one will be false. If you get the false one, you've, you've blown your brains out. Now, as Turner tends to consume all the trivia, I will be focusing on the sequel films. Number one, the working title for First Blood Part 2 was Second Blood, but producer Buzz Feitschans was concerned that moviegoers would not know it was a sequel to First Blood. Number two, producers on the sequel originally planned for Rombo to have a tech whiz sidekick, who they hoped would be played by John Travolta. (laughs) And number three, James Cameron was hired to write the screenplay for the sequel, and turned in a draft which was rejected partly because returning character Colonel Troutman wasn't portrayed as right-wing enough, in contrast to what he felt was Rambo's obvious neutrality. So, which one of those is the bullet or lie? I don't want to get the bullet. I want to dodge the bullet, don't I? Yeah, but you, you dodge it by knowing which one it is. Yeah, you dodge it by knowing which one it is. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number three. Yeah, I, I think number three because... Stallone has a habit of trying to get in there and write the script for fucking everything. So and he did. For, he did for this, didn't he? He did, he did as well. Yeah, he, he sticks his oar in in all of them. That would make number three more likely, surely, because James Cameron's screenplay was rejected. No, no. I I, I think um, having like a cyberpunk sidekick in John Travolta or something is something. Stallone would probably go, hey, yo, hey, sleep. like, you know, that, that's it. And then they'd be like, no. <laughs> it's your photo. Slide your ass over here. Be a cyberpunk. <laughs> Don't forget, Sylvester Stallone directed the Saturday Night Fever sequel, Staying Alive, and he trained Travolta to get buff. Uh, and Travolta blames that on the reason he put on weight afterwards because he wasn't able yeah. to keep up. That's why I think diet. the Travolta one is one of the true. Oh, you think I've been clever there and, and hidden, yeah. hidden there. Yeah. Okay. You, you have a tent, so, you have you have a, a track record for for weaving an element of truth into your lies. So no, uh, you're thinking of Ben. He does that. Yeah, he does All that right. as well. Okay. But you you started it. 
I think he took your cues. Don't tell me I started it again. We had enough of that the other day. <laughs> right. Travolta is false. Travolta's false. I'm gonna dodge Gaz? that. I'm gonna dodge that bullet. The James Cameron one. Turner? Yeah. I'm I'm going with James Cameron as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're all dead. Ah. Oh. The working title for First Blood Part Two was not Second Blood. Uh I made that up. That would have been a funny name, though, wouldn't uh, it? Second Blood. Yeah, well, well they did last blood, didn't they? That's feasible. Uh, silly they enough. They did. Yeah. Now, let's find out what the panel of peril thought of the film before we throw open the chat to talk in more detail about our favourite aspects, sequences and lines. But before we do, I'd like to bring back kind of an old tradition. And I want to ask Ben, what is your favourite name from the opening credits? Oh, 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 I got this one as well. Have you? <laughs> yeah, I bet you've got the same one as me because I was I paused yeah. it and I was pissing myself and I was like, "You've got to have got this one." Is it Patrick Stack? It's not. So Turner, no. please give us your favourite name from the opening credits. I su- highly suspect, and I'd probably put my life savings on this, that you have the same one as me. <laughs> it's Herb Nana's. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I do remember. That. Yeah, I did see Herb that. Yeah, yeah. Uh excellent. If only he had a middle name beginning with the letter A. <laughs> or Herb B Nanas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but generally uh speaking, uh Adam, what did you what did you think of First Blood? As an action film, for the most part, it's really great. And there's a lot of tension, uh lot of suspense. Good action with um, John Rambo. You immediately feel sorry for him and you know, mm. well, he's lost all his friends. He's definitely got some sort of PTS. And the, the way it's set up as well, they're saying it's been sort of like an unpopular war and things like that. Yeah. Um, and you do, you feel him, you know, you really feel for him and he's out of place. So straight away, you know, and it's like, yeah, so I've got it. And then he runs into this horrible sheriff. It's like, yeah, hate him, hate all his all his deputies and stuff like that. Great, but it's like the last half hour. It's like, why, why? It, 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 to me, it, it shits all over the the first hour. And I was honestly, and I, I I remembered how much I enjoyed it, and I was like, actually, I enjoy this more. And then when it got to the last half hour or so, I was like, what about the last half hour we put off by? It doesn't make any sense because it's all leading up to this bit where Troughton comes in. He's out on the radio with him, and he's and then they go, "Oh, let's send a national guard, fire a bazooka," and then he just loses the plot and attacks this town, and potentially it's it's just like shooting up everywhere. And it's just doesn't it just to me it doesn't stick. They could have gone on some more stuff through the jungle and things like oh through the forest even. Sorry. Yeah, I suppose the action in the climax becomes a bit less grounded, doesn't it? Yeah, but it does. It goes off, and that's where I reckon Cy Stallone stepped in, and he went, "I oh, know I've got to take my shirt off, get a massive M60, and then go round the town <laughs> shooting telegraph poles and police stations." I was just like, "Why?" <laughs> now he's a little boy stealing little toys. But one day he'll be an adult stealing baseball stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Ben nodding along there with you about the last half hour. So uh, is that similar to your feelings? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So before this watch through, 
my image of Rambo was all kind of grease, muscles, and body count. Mm. So I think that must mean that I'd only seen, well, definitely the 2008 one. Yeah. And perhaps First Blood Part 2. Yeah. I presume I, I hadn't seen First Blood before because I didn't remember it. Yeah. What I've seen is the bit of Rambo 3 that's in Gremlins 2, and that's all I'd ever seen before I watched First Blood. <laughs> right. oh, and, and the 2008 one. <laughs> Gizmo in his little suit. Right, right. <laughs> Fight a war, you're going to become war. That is the best bit of Rambo. Right. <laughs> and then every, everything else I'd seen was on a, was on Hot Shots, probably. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I went into this with a bit of the kind of just getting it over and done with mindset. Mm. But instead of like a glam 80s kill fest that I was expecting, I was kind of bowled over by the, by the, the depth and the heart of this film. Yeah. It really blurs the lines between like the antagonist and the protagonist, which I thought was amazing. Mm. It's a film that deals in kind of grey rather than black and white, which most 80s yeah. action films are, you know. Right. So it's quite thought-provoking in that way. And Turner said, as an action movie, I would argue that, yeah, it, it, obviously there is action, but it's beyond an action movie, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of sags as well, I thought. Like in the middle, it kind of sags a little bit. And then where I agree with Turner is the third act is just, it starts to become a bit preposterous. Yeah. You get those kind of, Pointless action explosions. I don't know why he, why he exploded the garage. I think I get why he blew up the garage and the and the ammo store. I think that was his way of I think preventing them from kind of tooling up and you know coming out to get him. He's just he's reducing their options. I think is what he's doing there. But it is it is yeah. over the top. Yeah. I, th- I think apart from that third act, it's a really solid film, and I, I'd I'd happily watch it again. I thought it was uh it was really good. So thank you for for bringing that to the table. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I went into it with the same mindset, actually. I thought, because I, I didn't watch it specifically thinking that we'd cover it on this. I just, I thought, oh, I've never seen First Blood and I'd, I'd bought Studio Canal to watch Alpha Papa. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll just, I'll spend the month watching everything Studio Canal has to offer. So I watched First Blood and uh, like you, I was pleasantly surprised to find that it was a quieter, especially a quieter performance from Stallone, a more thoughtful screenplay. To be honest, I think the sequels are a bit of a betrayal of this film. But uh, I was going to say it's to- they totally lost their way because yeah, part two does it goes into that whole. It's a Vietnam. He's in his vest. He's just yeah. He's getting mowing people down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Gaz, what, what were your thoughts overall on First Blood? Yeah, I enjoyed it overall. I'd echo what Ben said. It does sag in the middle quite a bit, but in contrast, I I like the final act uh, and how over the top it is i think i don't know whether this is a common take but it as so many things do with this podcast it came to me while i was walking the dog that it's kind of a modern twist on a western the stranger that comes into mm. this single yeah. name town called hope and he cleans up the corrupt law enforcement and he changes yeah. the town presumably for the better the only other one that i've seen is the 2008 rambo and I mm. think that that is obviously massively different, like like Ben said also. But there's also a touch of the Western about that. The he's almost the man with no name in that, isn't he? Out on his own, right. being drawn back into to battle as like this mythic force. Yeah. His name's Rambo. I am the yeah. man with no name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. 
but even at the start of, of First Blood, you, you don't find his name out for, for quite some time, do you? They get it off his ID yeah. when they're booking him. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he is kind of the man with no name at the start of First Blood, too. No, no, um, it's, really, it's a really good call, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no, I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. I agree with you um, on some part there that it is like a Western, although um, usually when it's the stranger coming into town, he's usually immediately, you can see he's got a, a chip on his shoulder or, you know, he's looking to kind of stir things up straight away and it's not immediately obvious with Rambo because eventually he just snaps, doesn't he? He just, uh, there's too many flashbacks or whatever and then then, then he goes. Yeah, yeah. Sanjiro comes into town with a real shit attitude actually, doesn't he? Like he yeah. uh, he's there to cause shit. So, yeah. yeah. I, I get that about Rambo. He's, he's not there to cause trouble immediately. No. They really have to push him to it. Yeah. So yeah, that is a, a, an interesting twist on that. I like that. And it's and it's very very satisfying when he does lose his shit as well because the apart from you know without CSI Miami Mitch <laughs> yeah. they're all assholes and it's only him that's got like a thread of decency. I was so thrilled to see him, by the way. Yeah, it's great. I love him, looks... Crusoe. He's yeah he. He looks um so good, he looks he? very similar, but also at the same time completely different as well, isn't he? And it's, yeah, yeah. And um oh, he's, he's not so instantly recognizable if he didn't clock his name in the it, yeah. credits, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Just slowly put a pair of shades on. There he is. <laughs> yeah. And then turn to the side. <laughs> Ironically, without the context of First Blood, because I hadn't seen it before I saw two thousand eight Rambo, the main thing I enjoyed about Rambo is how over the top the action was, particularly the bit where he gets on the jeep with the mounted gun and turns it on the I driver and shoots him to literal <laughs> dust. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it, it's a great action film, <laughs> but very very different to First Blood. Mm. Well, thank you all for your thoughts. I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I did. <laughs> Let's talk in more detail about our favourite sequences and lines and just generally have a have a talk about the film i'll kick off i found the opening of this quite reminiscent of the bill bixby hulk that's exactly <laughs> what i wrote in my notes <laughs> the end credits <laughs> even with the plinky plunky piano yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you know what i've put in instead a similar old school tv series i put highway to heaven yeah <laughs> <laughs> I put the littlest hobo. So, <laughs> also because Stallone is like a, a big screen Michael Landon with his fucking finger yeah. in every pie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love the shoot on location. I think so. This is filmed in. So Hope is a fictional Hope Washington's not a real town, but mm. this is filmed in a town called Hope uh, in Canada, and I just think they they really filmed the shit out of that place like it looks beautiful all the landscapes yeah yeah absolutely that's one of the things i've got they absolutely nailed the location it's so great and then there's there's so much in it to like Mm. from that perspective Uh, it's great do you know who gives you uh good production values god that's it yeah yeah (laughs) his paintbrush man (laughs) big guy upstairs executive producer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jehovah Christoph <laughs> over the past few weeks we've been treated to quite a few films where the, the locations have been like a character mm. yeah Dragon Tattoo was certainly like that and I and I, yeah. I, I wrote my notes again this time the locations are 
absolutely fantastic every single one yeah you've just made me think about i I really love the first chase that he has on the on the motorbike when he's getting away from teasel because that guy is balls man yeah not only is it an insanely good and lethal looking uh, stunt sequence but i just love that i really got the sense that teasel knows that area like the back of his fucking hand yeah because of the little shortcuts he takes and stuff yeah it's cool that his car gets flipped while he's trying to chase him because i feel like that's the first it's kind of a metaphor for yeah the forest is is rambo's home you you're not going to beat him in here kind of thing yeah it feels like it's an actual natural conclusion to that part of the chase as well doesn't it because he's so focused on chasing him yeah his car just goes fuck off and then not long after that rambo goes and falls off (laughs) as well and it's like okay after i've finished seeing that bit i thought why don't I remember this chase more? Because it's one of the best car mm. chases or, or motor vehicle chases that I can remember seeing, to be honest. There's a, there's a couple of others that spring to mind, but this is I'll try and remember this one now going forward because it's just brilliant. Yeah. The other crazy stunt is the, the descent down the cliff. Yeah. A, a precursor <laughs> yeah. to cliffhanger. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. So yeah, the that helicopter gets amazing. very close as well, doesn't it? You just think, yeah. holy shit, a sudden yeah, gust yeah. of wind, and you you're clipping those blades against the cliff face. Surely, right, I, yeah. I think they were just clever with the angles there. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It was just yeah. clever angles. It would have been much further away. Hmm. Yeah, when they show him on the cliff, he's like he's like up this big expanse. But then when he's looking at the helicopter, it's like down a sort of a ravine out outwards, isn't it? Hmm. Sort of thing. So I think there's some good uh, cinematography there for sure. Um, but yeah. there's just there's just so much in that forest and that whole sequence of him being chased is just it does take you right away it really does yeah I think that that's the part where the film is most alive yeah it does start to sag after that a little bit and then mm. kind of goes off into the third act but that whole forest chasing is brilliant one thing that did make me chuckle was just after as he goes down that cliff and he chucks the rock at the helicopter <laughs> those angles do not match up at all it was ridiculous I was like what <laughs> speaking of some great sequences there does anybody have a favourite sequence that we maybe one we haven't already spoken about but if, if it's one we have something they'd like to cover in a bit more detail I've got one it's uh, just after the helicopter trying to sniper him off the edge of the cliff and Rambo is setting traps for everybody he stabs David Caruso in the thigh yeah and yeah. then he's got this weird big spiky branch that he slams into yeah. a couple of other guys. <laughs> I thought that guy was dead. I can't believe he survived that. Yeah, yeah normally. And then yeah. lightning goes, and it's like, yeah, it's yeah. fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the original Predator, right? It's very reminiscent yeah. of Predator, that sequence. Mm. Yeah, yeah. now you mention it. Or rather, mm. Predator's very re- reminiscent of it. Yeah, mm. that's what I thought all the way through. I thought this is, this is where he must get his cues. And by it, I mean first blood, yes. not not it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other favorite sequences? The escape from the police station was excellent. Mm, yeah. Yeah. His Nam flashback mustache is quite amusing. I thought. Yes, yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a gravy stain. <laughs> yeah. Talking about police station, there's a, a Christmas tree in the police station, so you could technically class this as a Christmas film. Oh wow. Let's do that. I think we should petition uh, Netflix to have it on at Christmas. <laughs> and just put on the poster of Rambo with a Santa hat or something. <laughs> this was my favourite part of the film. Yeah. Brian Dennehy, Camel Skin Coat, 
Yes. Enough said. Yeah. I fucking love it. <laughs> the John Mutson special. Yeah. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> Adam, you got a favourite sequence? Yeah, my favourite sequence, this is actually, I said I had one bit I inappropriately laughed at, but I've got two. Okay. But my favourite my favorite sequence is when he's going into the mine, mm. he sets the oil drum up and puts like a, a twig under it. Then he just goes, uh, and just gets like a little twig and puts it in front of it. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> It doesn't even lead to anything. It's it's not even, it's like it's set up, but then nothing happens with it. And I was just pissing myself. I really like the torch he makes for himself with the knife. That's very really cool when he goes into the caves. Wrapping it for ages, isn't he? Flipping it. Like he's making candy floss. <laughs> Imaginary candy floss. It's clearly a real a practical element that's on fire in his hand. Yeah. He's just swinging yeah. it around. You wouldn't be allowed to do that now. And same with the rats as well, because they are definitely practical rats. Real life rats, mm, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah. And, not, and I was like, fucking hell. Flinging this. them everywhere. Yeah. Breaking their backs. And I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. That, that torch, yeah. though, made me think of uh, Godfather 2 when De Niro, he shoots using a like a towel wrapped around a gun to silence it, and then it goes on fire, and it's on fire on his hand, and he's just like, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. The other bit I was going to say is, uh, what did everybody think of the song at the end of the film? Don't remember it. Is it a bit of a ballad? It's fucking dreadful. <laughs> it made me think of the first time I watched Enterprise, the Star Trek show. What would you do? Uh, <laughs> it's been a long road. <laughs> it's fucking awful. It's it's so bad. I was I I was laughing my head off, and uh, it just yeah. I thought Trey Parker and Matt Stone must have riffed on this because it's that bad. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, so check it out. It's called It's a Long Road, and it is by Jerry yeah. Goldsmith, the guy who did the score. Yeah, I think my favorite sequence in terms of action stunt sequence is the cliff descent. The, there's an amazing shot when he jumps off into the tree canopy, and then. You know, he kind of hits all the branches on the way down. That's yeah. fucking is brutal, great. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of a desperate man. Yeah, you know, it was just it was just a six person stunt team. They worked their really? asses off in that film. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, the effects are great. I I think in that final sequence, the explosions are really they're really good. They they look hot. They look big. What it made me think of is so we obviously kind of growing up was the era when CGI started to become more prevalent and a lot of the films we saw they were using either composite elements or actual digital explosions so the first time I watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and they blow up the train at the start I think I was about 16 and I was like holy shit this is this is filmmaking so I was really pleased to see like a a, a really good practical explosion in this of a full scale building because you can tell when they blow up a miniature right yeah it's another Stallone film that we've already done mm. that has an actual uh, explosion of a real building. Yeah, demolition man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he must have a penchant for those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit daft when they were putting out the petrol fire with water. It's a big no-no, isn't it? Don't know yeah, why yeah. the firefighters were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get it under control. No shit. <laughs> the other practical effect that i love is him sewing up his arm oh yeah it looks like he's sewing up his, his arm yeah yeah 
it's weeping quite a bit, isn't it, when he's doing it yeah. as well? It just and it's not like squirting, yeah. like somebody pumping a thing. Yeah, yeah. I was very impressed by that. It looked, uh, yeah, very realistic. Wouldn't be totally shocked to find out it was real. Like Schwarzenegger mm. punching a real car window. That kind of crazy movie yeah. making they were doing back yeah. then. But my my favorite scene though, a, a nice. Uh, it's, it's not really an action scene, but I just love the speaking of David Caruso when his character asks the sheriff to just leave Rambo to the state police and his reaction yeah. to that just grabs him by the hair and slams him. <laughs> I was I was really shocked by that moment. I thought it was yeah. What I love about Teasel in this is he's he's not just he is a complete prick, you know, and he's he's a horrible guy, but he's not just that. He's also he, he plays every ounce of cowardice in him as well and you see how scared he is mm. he's acting at once like he's trying not to look scared but it all comes through it's a great performance i think yeah he, he gets his ass handed to him doesn't he by rambo yeah and then when troutman shows up he tries to act all big and tough and like he's got it under control and that he's right, just yeah. been absolutely battered that's when he gets his cool jacket when troutman shows up isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> to try and save face a bit. Well, look at look at this coat though. Look at this. Pretty cool, this, eh? eh? Rambo had a cool coat too. His makeshift poncho that he has. Which I really yeah. like. Yeah. Sack. Burlap sack. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd call it a tabard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is with with Teasel is you kind of understand his motivation as well, which is what I was talking about mm. the greys rather than it being black and white. Yeah. Does, yeah, it's. He's it's really well played by Brad Danny. I forgot he could do performances like that. Yeah, you can understand in his position that there are certain elements of people who would, you know, drifters who do show up and cause trouble. And he probably took one look at this guy and judged the book by its cover, which was mm-hmm. his first mistake. But once you get beyond that, when he's in the car, so Ram- Rambo is kind of doing that classic thing of people who, when confronted with a petty authority figure, he goes very defensive and he kind of clams up and he speaks back and that, that little two way that they have, you can kind of see why a character like Teasel would respond in the way that he does, mm. but he should have kind of picked up as well on the fact that Rambo is quite a quiet character and he clearly wants to be left alone. That's it. He's not doing anything. He's not there to cause trouble, is he? But yeah, you can leave it to a cop to make a bad situation worse. An American cop. Yeah. It's a really well-played, layered build-up between the two of them. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Speaking of performances, what did we all make of Sly's performance in this? He's great, isn't he? I love Sly. Yeah, I don't, absolutely genuinely brilliant. don't think I've ever seen him give a bad performance. No, especially as Rocky, particularly mm. in, in the later films. He, he has to do a lot in there. But I think his, his performance in this is so kind of stoic and understated. It reminds me of the difference between watching, say, Godfather Part 1 and Devil's Advocate or something. The difference in, in a Pacino performance when he's young and he's uh, kind of keeping everything contained and when he's letting it out later on. It, it was just such a, a great performance. He's uh, he's a lot shorter than I thought. Mm-hmm. I've never noticed before, but I think every other movie that I've seen him in, he seems to be the tallest guy on set, but in this... Everyone else towers over him. Big shoes. <laughs> it's the way they shoot him as well, probably. For they shoot, they, I think yeah. in quite a few of the first shots of him, they, they look, they're sort of shooting from up and you see the blue sky behind him and, and then he's standing there just 
sort of ashen-faced, yeah. isn't he, in a way, sort of thing. I'd have to go back and watch Demolition Man, but I'm pretty sure he's the tallest guy in the room, in every room. But in, in Rambo, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> Maybe he'd gotten... He went a bit egocentric for a while, didn't he? Maybe that was like part of his thing for a while that I have to be the tallest mm. person because people do do that, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe like he worked out and just got like really big muscles on the bottom of his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, that sounds lots awful. of feet. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a lot of work done. Maybe he's had his shins extended. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, they're extenders. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he, he plays to his strengths very much, I think, as, a, as an actor. And that's either do and say nothing and look look in a certain manner or let it all come out more or less. And I think that's, again, that's Pacino as well. He, he doesn't have to do an awful lot. And then he gives yeah. it his all when he does it. And then he retracts back from that again. Like I say, I think his performance in this movie is very much linked to how I feel about the movie in general anyway. I think it's fantastic for a lot of it and then just goes off a cliff for me. For me, that ending, I know there's a lot of issues with it, but uh, generally I love it. But the one thing about it that I I did find unrealistic is that he'd be able to drive that army van into town, just casually drive it in there. Just grinding it. (laughs) (laughs) All the way, that's why they know it's him. Driving the truck because it's fucking grinding that gears there. Oh, it's him! Fucking shoot him! On the subject of the end and of and Stallone's performance, what do you think of his kind of final speech? Yeah, because that was you know that was a reshoot. Yeah. It was. Yeah, the original ending. He was yeah. He's going to have a similar breakdown, and he mm. asks Troutman to to kill him, and Troutman refused or refuses rather. Rambo grabs it and kind of in the in the kerfuffle, Rambo gets shot. So Rambo was supposed to die in the okay. original ending, mm. but test audiences just thought it was too depressing. Like it. So it was a reshoot. Yeah, I think his performance in that bit's heartbreaking. I think because he's played the rest of the film, like I say, so stoic and kind of bottled up. When he lets it all out, then for me, I really felt it, and I felt like he allowed himself to let all that tension go, and and this is what he's been storing up. Yeah, the film ends it, doesn't it? It dials everything so yeah. far back. When when the big release comes, it's um, like a punch to the chest, isn't it? I suppose you're always kind of expecting some kind of exposition about the the character, the way he's feeling. Mm. But it's it's really really forceful, and Stallone gives it everything, doesn't he? To, I suppose in yeah. that era to to see a leading man, a big muscle man, leading man breaking down, crying, slurring his words because he's crying so hard would have been a rare occurrence and he just yeah. absolutely nails it. Nails it. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons he wanted to change the screenplay for the sequel is because he wanted to give Rambo another, you know, similar speech in the ending, which is one of the things I got criticized for, but it's basically him telling Troutman all he wants in life is for his country to love him the way he loves his country, which he says he spoke to a lot of, veterans and that's really the sentiment that they all kind of shared and yeah it's i think it's uh i say bold and different and uh, you're brave of him to pierce his muscle man action hero image there and and let it all come out there so i I love that for me that monologue at the end i've my note on it is shit monologue (laughs) and the reason for that is is because at the start of the film, and most of the, for, for like I say, for most of the film, 
I, I get where he is and I don't need f- for somebody to cry and, and, and have an outpouring of emotion for me to feel a great deal of empathy or sympathy or whatever you want to call Emotions. it. You, you know what I mean? But you don't... Fucking soy latte drinking bitch. <laughs> if, if it's emotional, like he's tipping his soy latte all over you at the end, isn't he, essentially, and crying. <laughs> so to me, I, I didn't need that because I already knew. And for me, it's like it's somebody going, don't you understand what this movie is about? And somebody like trying to grab you by the collar and say, look, he's a man and he's, he's emotionally fucked up. Yeah, I got it. I already got that. I don't, I don't know why, why you need that additional monologue at the end to explain that, but I only think it's because audience, most audiences don't pick up on that, and they're just like, I, I just didn't see the reason for that. I think the film would be worse for removing it. I agree. The point of it isn't for the audience, and it's not expositional. It's not to say, hey, you didn't understand, and, and this is what it's all been about. I think it's just that, as Gaz said, it, it's earned it. Like he's earned his release at that point, and that is just believably how he would respond in that moment. I think mm. if he if he'd stayed climbed up to Troutman, it, it wouldn't have made any sense. I think if he hadn't gone on his on his nutty run at the end and stuff like that, perhaps he wouldn't have got to that point. And then I didn't agree. I didn't like the last half hour or so, so I didn't like that final performance. So I understand where you guys are coming from with it and everything like that. Mm. It's just for me. I already thought this fucking guy, you know, and and he is he deserves his character deserves a lot of time and respect from everybody, sort of thing. It's interesting you say that because I think at first I was on the fence about it. I was like, did I, did I like that, or would kind of less be more? So I was I was there, and and the more I've re- reflected on it, I thought, well, no, actually, I think it did need something like that to take you in there, just to not let you get away from it, I suppose. But um, I read a I read a review. I think it might have been is it Roger Ebert, or Robert Ebert, whoever it is. I think yeah. he said something similar about that last monologue that he'd have preferred mm-hmm. it not to have been there. He felt mm. that it was clear, yeah, like you say, turn out like how he was feeling. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fair point. Yeah, he only gave it seven thumbs up, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> His lowest rating thumbs. ever. <laughs> <laughs> This this movie is as weak as a soup and nowhere near as hammy. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have a favourite line they want to share? Come on, somebody, somebody must have got the biggest one, the biggest line in there. Come on. If we start with uh, Gaz. I didn't actually write any lines down. <laughs> so, right, so wow. let's move on. <laughs> Adam thinks he somebody's got the biggest one, so... This has got to be on so every, your big well, one, Apart from Gaz's, here, do you want to see my big one? Here it is. Oh, yeah, look at yeah, that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it is ginger. God didn't make Rambo. I made him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's on my list. <laughs> that's a great one. You got another one, Ben? John Rambo was the best. Just that. That was Just like, that. Oh, come on. <laughs> so cringeworthy. The way he delivers some of those lines... Is, is just like so cheesy and like almost clownish yeah. in a way, isn't it, as well? So it's yeah. weird. They're sort of trailer lines, aren't they? You clip that, stick yeah. to the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. And um, the other one I've got, my favourite one is, I'm going to pin that Congressional Model, uh, Medal of Honour to his liver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here you go, liver, well done. <laughs> He'll be needing that for pissing, so that's going to do him writing. 
You're going to piss everywhere. <laughs> so there's a similar line that's quite like, like a trailer line, which I think must have inspired Alan Moore, which is, uh, I didn't come here to rescue Rambo from you. I came to rescue you from him. What about the one after the bazooka shot into the mine? Give that man a cigar. (laughs) 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 A really iconic Rambo one. Don't push it, or I'll give you a war you won't believe. I love the way he says believe as well. He kind of spills out. He says says that in other movies as well, doesn't he? I think that's his like his thing just for it all kicks off in the other ones. I'm pretty sure. Stop or my mum will shoot. But my absolute favorite line for comedy value is when Troutman tells Teasel, in Special Forces, we teach our men to stay alive. And Teasel says, No shit, I never thought of that. First Blood sees the overzealous Hope Sheriff's Department first try to convince drifter John Rambo to leave town after winding him up for no real reason, then try to fight a seasoned Special Forces combat veteran skilled in guerrilla warfare in a forest. Needless to say, it doesn't end well for them. But how did the panel of peril rate their plan? Was it a good concept and how well was it pulled off? Gaz. It's not a very good plan, is it? They're just <laughs> throwing shit at a wall to see what sticks. Like, oh, we'll send a helicopter out with a sniper in it. That'll get him. Or <laughs> we'll chase him through the woods and we'll we'll get a bazooka. We'll get the National Guard. And it's like, Jesus Christ, think about it for a minute instead of just going hell for leather. The National Guard, by the way, are lovably inept, aren't they? And it's they yeah. seem yeah. like they're Teasel's poker buddies. And, and like yeah, fantasy yeah. football buddies. I gotta be back in work at six in the morning. The drugstore. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, the drugstore. Yeah. Uh, Adam, you got any different thoughts on that? No, uh, really. It's it's a shit plan, and then they just decide to double down on that shit plan, and possibly even triple down on it. So, yeah, absolute bollocks. <laughs> and where's Ben with the broccoli? I'm in complete agreement. And so I want you to sing along with me. Two, 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 two. two. Two, 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 This is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for the title of Season 3's Most Diabolical. Up for grabs is one point for each vote, which will go towards the series leaderboard. Teasel tried to drive Rambo out of town while goading him into a fight he didn't want, but it all went to hell in a handbasket. So, how would you have got Rambo out of town, Adam? Since the end of the Vietnam War, Sheriff Teasel has seen a lot more drifters coming through his town. A lot more. The old pick-up-and-dump routine is only successful some of the time, and when it isn't, there's only so many times his police force can laugh themselves stupid, hosing down a vulnerable veteran. The horrible bastards that they are. So, when the sheriff spots the dishevelled 
J.R. coming back across the bridge that day, instead of carting him off to jail, he decides he should play a game of wits. He pulls up next to J.R. and shouts, I hope it says what? What? <laughs> Aha! Shouts the sheriff. I got that you, you're a vagrant, and you just admitted it! <laughs> the depressed soldier is slow on the uptake and is convinced he's been tricked. When the sheriff says he's taken him to jail, JR asks what he can do to avoid being carted off. How about a game of skill? says the twisted sheriff, rubbing his hands together. Why is he skeletal? <laughs> <laughs> As I was writing the plan, I had his, his voice in, in my head, so I decided when I do the sheriff's voice in this plan, it's going to be skeletal. <laughs> Leaning in to whisper in Rambo's ear, Tell me, traveller, how's thou ever heard of a thumb war? <laughs> Rambo nods once. For those not in the know, thumb war is a game played between two people where each person links their thumbs together and tries to pin down their opponent's thumb. The game typically involves counting to four and repeating the words one, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war before beginning. And the first person to pin down the opponent's thumb for three seconds wins. Rambo, thanks to his special forces background, has had a lot of experience with war and thumb wars should be no exception. <laughs> and therefore, he thinks this will be a walkover. If I win, you leave my town for good and never come back, says the sheriff. If you win... You can stay at my house for the night. Get cleaned up. Fuck my wife. <laughs> Rambo's interest is piqued, as he absolutely loves shagging older, heavier women. It's his raison d'etre, you may say. He agrees to the terms and strips the waist in preparation for the duel, as is the fashion. The sheriff moves his jacket and prepares for battle. As they lock thumbs over the bonnet hood of his police car, a devilish grin appears on the sheriff's face. Rambo easily pins the sheriff's thumb down, draws blood with his long, unkempt, dirty nail, and starts to count. But on two, the sheriff manages to slide his thumb from under Rambo's, to push down on top of Rambo's thumb with such force it causes Rambo's thumb to break with a sickening crack. <laughs> Wincing and defeated, Rambo stares at the sheriff in disbelief. Rambo has been bested by a small town overweight sheriff. Oh my, I'm sorry about that, stranger. Sometimes I don't know my own strength. I had the same problem in high school. But we did have an agreement for you to leave town. Rambo looks at his thumb, then at the sheriff, then the blood dripping from the sheriff's thumb. He may not like the sheriff, God damn it, but he made a deal, and his soldier's honour won't let him go back on that. Rambo suddenly gathers up his belongings and heads back across the bridge and out of town. As the sheriff gets back into his car and drives off, he begins to chuckle. <laughs> yep. I had the same problem back in high school when I was captain of the thumb wrestling team. State champion, <laughs> two years in a row. Cue maniacal laughter and fade. Lovely. What's that arm wrestling movie? Over the top, that's what I was going to ask. 
So did Stallone have a baseball cap in this? Because <laughs> if he'd have turned that around, he'd have won the thumb war no sweat. Yeah, <laughs> he might have done. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was glad he didn't, because otherwise that would have ruined my whole yeah. feng shui on that. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, let's say, for argument's sake, that Teasel, although we have no, no evidence for this, let's say he was <laughs> captain of the uh, high school thumb wrestling team. What do you mean? Can you see his massive thumbs? We have no evidence either way, to be fair. That's true. We don't. We confirm, neither confirm or deny. That's why I'm happy to skirt over that. But <laughs> Stone's absolutely jacked in this. He's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, apparently he yeah. went through like a really like a horrifying routine to get into this like cut shape that he's in. He's actually ripped to fuck, isn't he? That's what it is. It's not like mm. he's he's put on muscle, but then he's just so shredded as well that he's just yeah. absolutely... It looks like he hasn't eaten for like days by the time of this shoot so you've probably answered my question for me then now which is where how would teasel best him in a competition of strength well if he hasn't eaten for a few days yeah that's probably how i was gonna say he's not in the best shape right now but when he goes through forest and he's picking up berries and scoffing things like that he gets a bit stronger has he got some sort of bionic thumb to have enough force within it to crush his um rumbo's (laughs) thumb I was going to use that, but then I thought I was going to say when he takes off his jacket, and I've got it written down here that he was going to pull off his like fake hand and have just like a single <laughs> hand with just a thumb with on your it. brass and hand. You know, you gotta get brass like, <laughs> like that, just, just like <laughs> Rambo just shits himself. <laughs> what if he's just got one? He's just got one hand that's like super jacked, like when Homer yeah. does arm wrestling. He's just got yeah. the one muscly arm. Or, or Quagmire discovers internet porn. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about that, that him turning side on and then turning around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then he's quite a meaty figure. So I reckon uh, he'll yeah. have some power in those thumbs. He's a big guy. He's he's bigger. He's bigger than um, Stallone, isn't he? He's quite an yeah. imposing character, and he's got a lot of girth to him as well. Plus, he's been shagging. He's been shagging his fat wife as well. Don't forget. <laughs> Dude, he's shagging us. my fat fat mother. <laughs> nice, Dennis. Yeah, Come no. on, shag my fat mother. <laughs> no, I didn't. no, he Does isn't. It? I know. Why'd you I say know. then? I never. <laughs> Good. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck following that, everybody. <laughs> Ben, let's have yours next. I love how hope glistens in the pale morning light. She's a pretty town, all right. But there's something wrong here. Something that takes the sheen off hope's wholesome perfection. Vagrants. These nomadic ne'er-do-wells really rankle. Scuffing up the place like tumbleweeds with substance abuse or mental health issues. It's my job to keep this town safe from these no-good bums. Sure, I could petition the mayor set up programs that address the root causes of homelessness, but I'd much rather sweep the problem under the rug. Sadly, the bumbling deputies at my disposal just ain't up to the job. I need a specialist. I place an ad in the paper. Professional enforcer wanted for discreet cleanup job. Experience in wrangling and pest control a plus. It doesn't take long before the applications start rolling in. Same old wannabes looking for a cushy government paycheck. But then I get a call from a guy who goes by the name C.C. I hear you have a position open, he says. Might we meet to discuss it? I assure you, my credentials are impeccable. 
His accent throws me. Is he a Brit or something? Whatever. He comes with a list of recommendations as long as my arm. One from some fancy-pants European baron, no less. He's definitely worth a punt. We agree to meet. On the day of our meeting, I step outside the station for a breath of cool mountain air. I hear the clickety-clack of hooves on tarmac and turn to see an old-timey horse-drawn caravan coming down Main Street. It's decorated with gaudy stripes and flashy ribbons. The driver wears a top hat. And my God, look at the size of his nose. It's like Bigfoot's thumb. <laughs> he holds his card and tips his hat. So you're in need of a cleanup, he says. Well, I'm your man. I have my very own net. And I kept the streets of Bulgaria child-free for many years. I can certainly do the same for you. Children, I say. No, it's hobos, vagrants we want rid of. Oh. His brow wrinkles. Well, I suppose I could do that. How about instead of calling out ice cream, lollipops, I say beans, sausages. Yes, that could work. Now it's my turn to furrow my brow. I ask him what the hell he's on about. He tells me how he uses the promise of treats to lure his targets into the cage he has cleverly hidden inside his caravan before he disposes them. He also mentions his heightened sense of smell. He should have no problem sniffing out grimy drifters. I like the cut of this guy's jib. We agree he can start immediately. Welcome aboard, I say. Sorry, I didn't catch your name. Child catcher. CC stands for child catcher? No, my first name is Chillip. <laughs> well, Chillip, child catcher, <laughs> looks like you got your first customer. I point towards a green-shirted vagrant who is nonchalantly strolling into town. I watch as my new colleague glides toward him, oversized net at the ready. So all this, the, the ad in the paper is placed <laughs> before Rambo shows up. Yeah. There's already Just a vagrant problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a long-standing vagrant problem. Yeah. Which paper is this? Is it the Hope Weekly Standard? The Hope Chronicle. The Hope Chronicle, the the Hope Bi-Weekly. Known for its, known for its international uh, distribution. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the Particularly catcher. in Bulgaria. <laughs> Bulgaria. Bulgaria, sorry. The child catcher is a, is a lover of all local newspapers. He, he gets <laughs> well, I've, I've never seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, so I cannot confirm or deny that. It's, it's a fact. Uh, how much is a child catcher charging the sheriff for his services? Uh, tuppence. Tuppence. <laughs> yeah, he's, he works in old-fashioned shit, doesn't he? Yeah. He only wants tuppence for a lolly. T- tuppence a vagrant. <laughs> tuppence, okay. So I'm going to say that's six. Tuppence a vagrant. Six, six pence, is that six pence in new money? You should have followed that to its conclusion there, Turner. Where on earth does Teasel get tuppence from? <laughs> oh, yeah, from his old, that's his fat his wife's old name. lady. <laughs> <laughs> tuppence Teasel. <laughs> I'm just surprised that uh, Rambo and um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang are in a shared universe. Yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, the, the most surprising part to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's true. It's yeah. linked by uh, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> How? <laughs> uh, Dick Van Dyke wrote the screenplay for all the Rambo films. 
<laughs> I was going to say, we could have had Childcatcher show up in a Bond film and nobody would have batted an eyelid, right? Yes. Yeah, he would have had like gizmos, though, wouldn't he? He would have had like smoke things and darts that popped out the side of his caravan and things like that. Yeah, he would have got Bond in his net and then Bond would have just used his watch. He wouldn't have updated his um, his laws with, instead of uh, lollipops and candy, he wouldn't have updated it to beans and sausage, would he? <laughs> no, beluga caviar and champagne. Beluga caviar? Champagne? And sake served at 57 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit. <laughs> Room temperature sake. Poppers. Anybody? Poppers? Half-naked women painted in gold. <laughs> Bond. Oh, poppers, you say? Sarah hmm? <laughs> reading virgin. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm, I'm okay. making a note of this child capture for future ref- reference. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to reduce my carbon footprint, so I will recycle some of your plans. By the way, so yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's inevitable, really, isn't it? As we go along. All right, uh, Gaz, how would you get Rambo out of town by doing this? <laughs> as sheriff <laughs> as sheriff brian dennehy get john rambo to leave the town by any means necessary but preferably without bloodshed is what we've been asked to do by the right honorable county tacula and so get him to leave hope behind without bloodshed i shall i consulted a wonderful little website called wiki how and asked the question how do you win a fight without drawing blood it gave me five answers And number four will surprise you. Option one, attack their throat with strikes and chokes, which is very nearly a good rhyme, actually. Mm. I've never been in a proper fight, but I think trying to choke the guy out would be my technique should the situation arise, in all fairness. Option two, kick them in the groin. Yes, 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 that's a quick fight ender. Unless your opponent is a ninja who knows how to suck their own balls into their tummy. (laughs) Option three, gouge or poke their eyes. Does caution to only do this in the most dire of situations, as it is a potentially fatal move. Tommy Rot, neither Rowdy Roddy Piper nor Ric Flair ever blinded an opponent using the eye poke. Poke away, kids! (laughs) Option four, (laughs) attack their joints to remove their mobility. Your kneecaps, your elbows and what have you. I think beating Rambo in the kneecap is your best chance here. His arms are bloody huge, but hopefully he's skipped leg day. And option five, use a weapon to neutralise your opponent. The examples that it gives are broom, brick or bottle, all of which I'm fairly certain would draw blood. A non-bloody alternative could be a feather duster to tickle the big... To tickle the bitch. (laughs) We're going to say to tickle the bitch. (laughs) I'll change it to that, yes. (laughs) A non-bloody alternative could be a feather duster to tickle the bitch until he... Oh, that's really good. I knew you wouldn't be able to say that without laughing. I knew it. Tickle the bitch. Oh, that's really good. Uh. <laughs> oh, mercy. Okay. A non-bloody alternative could be a feather duster to tickle the bitch until he kills up into a giggling ball on the floor. <laughs> and so... Out of those five options, I'm going to have to say 
first go with option number two. Surprise kick him in the groin when he's got his arms on the car and he's being searched. From behind, just wanging one in the groin. (laughs) Then, when he's doubled over in existential agony, slip around the back and clamp your arm under his chin and choke him out. (laughs) Once he's out cold, the sheriff can bundle him into an aeroplane of his choosing, then go back to eating donuts, (laughs) harassing people of colour before going home to beat his wife. It's serpents. His fat wife. <laughs> fat his, big, his, his older, fatter wife. Ah, <laughs> uh, so an airplane of his choice. How far from hope do you reckon the nearest airport is? Uh, I don't know. I I'm saying under a hundred miles. Well, there's a helicopter. So ah, yeah. I didn't even consider the helicopter. So chopper him. While he's unconscious, chopper him to the airport, buy him a, a plane ticket, uh, put him on a plane. Do you think John Rambo's got a passport? Hmm. You don't need it. It's a fly internally. So he's flying domestically then, somewhere else within the United States. So how long do you think it takes him to walk back to Hope and kill you? <laughs> it depends where you've <laughs> taken him. Take him to uh, Antarctica and then maybe he'll just freeze to death. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> No, he's 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 weatherproof. I think well, yeah. C- Colonel Trout mentions it. <laughs> he just he, he'll just skin a polar bear and make a polar bear tabard for himself and, and just walk yeah, he's got an answer for everything. This Rambo. <laughs> I should have yeah. said. I should have said make him leave town permanently, but I didn't, and that's on me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other questions for Gaz before I give you my plan? I do. It might have a question actually. So you looked on the internet. The internet wasn't invented in John Rambo times. Oh, yeah. No, I, I didn't say that he looked on the internet. It was Gaz, Gaz researching his plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked on the internet for my plan. And then yeah. decided what to do. Okay. Yeah. Right. So how does Will Teasel know this technique of kicking someone in the groin? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite obvious when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Swift kick to the knackers. Where did he learn this forbidden knowledge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ancient Buddhist temple. <laughs> That's it in Tibet. <laughs> 20,000 feet above sea level. <laughs> Ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> okay. A lonely figure ambles south along the main drag of Hope, Washington. Head bowed. Blue. Brown, his eyes flicker fleetingly upwards and sideways, taking snapshots of his surroundings. He draws unfriendly stares from the passers-by whose shoes he scrutinizes, shifts uncomfortably when eyes briefly lock. Green, his khaki jacket, frayed from wear, and long, unkempt hair seem a target for his back, he thinks. Stares become glares, red. What? He wonders, what are they looking at? His jaw clenches. Something goes crunch and he bares his teeth, yellow. His gaze flits over the microscopic mountain ranges in the asphalt. John Rambo remembers his brother, Delmar Berry, orange. Colours dance before his eyes. He takes a few paces. He stops. He stoops. He draws his fingers across the coarse ground and closes them around an oblate spheroid, orange, 
bringing it to his lips. An onlooker stares, slack-jawed, as Rambo slips the confection into his mouth before standing, walking a few paces further and repeating the action. From this distance, the onlooker can see the hard candy shell is emblazoned with a lowercase m, can hear the crunch as Rambo bites through to the chocolate centre. He moves another few paces, and another, eating M after M, M's and M's, stretching ahead as far as the eye can see. From his vantage point on a distant rooftop, Sheriff Teasel observes through his binoculars. His mouth warps into a twisted, shit-eating grin. After Rambo turned tail and started to waltz slowly back into town from the bridge, Teasel almost lost his cool, but something stayed his hand on the wheel, and instinct drove him to the nearest store, where he purchased $25 worth of M&Ms. Not cheap, but necessary to cover the distance from the starting point to the outskirts of town, set out at a distance where the trail would be visible to Rambo, an experienced (laughs) tracker. With Rambo on foot, it had been a cinch to drive ahead of him, out of sight, quickly laying down the tempting treats. At the end of the trail, Rambo finds himself out of hope, relieved in truth to be away from the place and the eyes, headed for beautiful Portland. Under a rock, he also finds a coupon for a diner he knows is a brisk hike away. Rambo will never know which of the M&Ms had been up Teasel's bum. (laughs) (laughs) Probably one of the brown ones, wasn't it? (laughs) Most likely. Yeah, more likely. It used to be blue, of course. Oh! (laughs) 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 How does he know that Rambo is susceptible to M&Ms? He just knows Rambo's hungry. All he knows from Rambo is he's just looking for a place to eat. So he just leaves a trail of M&Ms out of town because he just yeah. he'd watched ET and he would have used Reese's pieces like Elliot does. <laughs> but when I saw that Reese's pieces were brown, yellow, and orange, I didn't really want to get into the subtext of a Vietnam War veteran. And they'd, and they'd melt in the sun as well, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. Whereas whereas M&Ms are sort of the all weather sweet, aren't they? Even though they're chocolate mostly. That you can you can have yeah. them in any any weather. Well, the milk chocolate melts in your mouth and not in your hand. It's the candy coating, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, that's it. For me, this plan falls apart with a. In my mind, John Rambo is a peanut M M&M and M lover. <laughs> <will be>. M&M's. <laughs> Nothing you can say will ever change oh, that. Well, yeah, yeah. They oh. could have been peanut M and M's. Didn't specify, did I? Said they were an oblate spheroid and they had M's on them. Uh, fair enough. It's up to you in your mind whether they're. Regular, peanut, caramel, or, or biscuit, the four types of M&M. <laughs> <laughs> Some truly diabolical schemes there, but who will get the votes? First, we had Adam's plan of beating Rambo in a thumb war. Then we had Ben's plan of placing an ad in the paper for a pest enforcer and who shows up? None other than the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, who tempts Rambo with beans and sausages. And then we had Gaz's plan, which was to look on WikiHow to learn how to kick people in the groin, <laughs> which is a forbidden fight technique. Uh, and once once Rambo's choked out, we'll put him on an airplane, send him out of town. And finally, my plan, which is to lead Rambo out of town with a trail of M&M's, or really any food, because he's hungry. But I did M&M's because I thought it would be funny to list all the colours. And so, Adam, who have you voted for? 
I have voted for Count Eighty Eighty. I mean, Count Attacular. I should have gone with Count Attack. That's better. <laughs> All right, let me think about that. That is good. All right, Ben, who have you voted for? I went for the Thumb War because it made me laugh so much. Yeah, okay. Gaz, who did you vote for? I also went for Adam's Thumb War because it made me laugh. And in another landslide, <laughs> Adam yes. takes it. Well done. Oosh! Because I have also voted for Adam, if that wasn't clear. Muchos gracias. <laughs> Compadres. Uh, you earned it. That's put a partridge among the pigeons, hasn't it? <laughs> it's me and Trafalgar Square going, oh God. Hasn't it? Was that done to the Diabolical <laughs> Season 3 leaderboard, Gaz? Well, all change on the leaderboard in joint first place with four points each is Adam and Countertacular. Huh? Oh, wow. Then in joint final place is myself and Ben with two points each. Wow. Oh. It feels like something's heating up. Can I leave with you? Holla. <laughs> so next week, Gaz will have the honor of hosting. And uh, what film will you be ruining for us this time? Next week, we are going to be taking on. A television classic, two-part film, Stephen King's It. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, surprise, eh? <laughs> would that be our second Tim Curry film? That would be, Certainly and will. both suggested by Gaz. Oh, someone's trying to curry some favour. And that about does it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe, hit the bell, and leave us a review on the very platform on which you're currently listening. You can follow us on social mediums at Diabolical Pod. Next week, we'll be competing to improve on the Diabolical Plan of Pennywise the Clown in IT. Until then, nothing is over! this is it's a long road when you're on your own and it hurts when they tell your dreams apart but never new town just seems to bring you down try to find peace of mind can break your heart it's a real war when outside your front door i tell you out there where they kill you, you could use a friend. Where the road is, that's a place for me. Down the road, that's where I'll always be. It's up, I take, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long, just turn, turn around, around and I'm good again. again. Maybe, Maybe tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll want to settle, settle down. Until, Until tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll just I'll keep just moving, keep on. moving <laughs> on. So if you want to join me for a while, 
Just grab your hat, we'll travel light. That's, That's hobo style. style. <laughs> they do foot blood. <laughs>